So when I was thinking about the sermon, when I was thinking about what I want to say tonight, I was praying to God and I was thinking, what have I struggled with, you know? What have I had a problem with in my Christian walk? And the thing that God kept saying to me over and over was obedience, and more specifically, listening and obedience. So those are kind of, I guess you could say, the main ideas of what I'm going to talk about tonight. So first up, listening. So when I was a kid, I had trouble listening. You know, I was, my parents would tell me something, and I would say, okay, got it. And then I would immediately forget what I said because I wasn't listening at all. And, you know, they would come up to me again and say, hey, Lathan, seriously, you, you got to do this. And, you know, they would tell me, and I'd say, okay, okay. And then I would immediately forget again because I still wasn't listening. And, you know, it would be a cycle of, hey, do this, okay, forget, you know. And it would be that over and over again, and I would never get anything done because I didn't know what I was supposed to be getting done. It was the same situation in school. I would sit and listen to the teacher for what felt like hours. It was a long time. I could sit there and hear what the teacher saying all day, but afterwards I wouldn't be able to tell you a single thing she said because I wasn't listening. Both these situations, you can see that common problem. I was hearing the people who were talking to me. You know the, the words were coming in. But I wasn't listening. It was just going right back out. I wasn't listening, and therefore I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, where I was supposed to be going, or how I was supposed to be doing it. Listening is how we discern God's purpose for us. But how do we listen? Well, take a look at James 1, 19 through 25. For those of you who can't read, I'm going to read it out loud. I'm looking at you, Asher. Just kidding, he can read. Hopefully. <clears throat> James 1, 19 through 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect, perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So when I was preparing for the sermon, one of the tips that Dustin gave me was to look at context. So let's look at the context of James. The primary theme of James is living out one's faith, being a doer and not just a hearer of the word. This theme is developed in view of the conflict between the rich and the poor at the time of James. Those conflicts have entered the church, and they've splintered into factions that are fighting each other. I hear that thunder. Some have fallen into a worldly lifestyle and have failed to put their faith into practice. And with that result, they have become double-minded, wavering between God and the world. James rebukes his readers for their worldliness and challenges them to seek divine wisdom. Second part of the context, the audience for James' letter is pr probably Jewish Christians. As you can tell by the designations, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. It was likely written to Jewish Christian houses outside of Palestine. So we know that James is writing to people who are members of the church. How does that relate to us? Well, we're members of the church, first of all. But these are the people who have heard the rules. They, they know what they're talking about. You know, they know what they're talking about. They can recite Bible passages to you. They can tell you all that stuff. They've been to church. They've heard the sermons. They know what's going on. 
and yet they have fallen away from God's Word into worldly lifestyles. So this isn't just something that affects lost people. It is something that can trap anyone, and that includes us. So verse 19 says that every person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We should be quick to hear, we should be ready to hear. It also says that we should be slow to speak. Notice the order of how James says these three things. He says, hearing, speaking, anger. I think that's because hearing is important, you know? Any teacher will tell you that it's impossible to learn while your mouth is open, while you're talking, that listening and speaking can't be simultaneous. My mom told me that plenty while I was growing up. She still tells me now. I still don't listen to her, but I'm trying. Sometimes we get so caught up with talking to God, requesting things of Him, you know, you know, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to do, God? What do I need to do, God? What do I need to do about this? That we never stop to listen about what He has to say back. How can we know what He's saying to us, learn what He wants of us, if we don't stop talking for just, just like one second, just to listen to Him, you know? Just sitting and trusting that God is going to give us an answer. I know a lot of times when I feel like I'm not hearing from God, and when I feel like the world is getting to be just a little bit too much, I have to go sit somewhere in quiet. You know, no phone, no music, no people, no distractions. Just me sitting there and talking, talking to God and listening to God. I even did that, like Dustin said, plenty of times in preparation for this. Talking to God is a conversation. And, you know, you've heard a conversation is a two-way street. So like I said earlier, I had a lot of trouble listening when I was a kid. I was very much a kid who had to have it beaten over my head, if you've ever heard that one. Do you ever feel like we act that way towards God? You know, he tells us what to do, but we aren't really listening. God tells us something, we say, okay, and then we go about our day like we didn't even hear it, you know, like when I was a kid. God keeps telling us, telling us, and telling us until it's like God is just going, hey, and we finally hear him, you know, he's like screaming in our ear. And it's because of this, I think two things come to mind. It is so easy to be spiritually deaf and it's so easy to be spiritually obese. Now, if you're wondering what those things mean, don't worry, I'm going to tell you. Spiritually deaf. So this relates to my first struggle, listening. When I say spiritually deaf, I mean someone who is not listening to God's Word. Sure, they can go to church every Sunday, and they can listen to their pastor give a sermon, and, you know, when they get home, they can say, hey, it was a good sermon today in church, you know. But if they sat through that sermon and didn't actually hear a single thing God was trying to say to them through it, then they didn't really hear anything at all. No, they might, they might as well have been deaf. God is speaking to them, calling them for a purpose, and it's not registering with them at all. I can't talk, sorry. They might have, nope. Basically the same idea. Look back at verse 19 again. He says, quick to hear first. Hearing is important. We can't act on God's word if we haven't heard it. If we try to do this, we're going to end up on our faces, just flat on our faces on the ground. While I was writing this sermon, a song kept popping into my head. I really like music, so I'll reference music a lot, most likely. It's a song called Deaf, what a coincidence, by a guy named Derek Minor, who's a Christian rapper. And, um, you know, you can like Christian rap or not. Most of you probably don't, but I like it, so. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, the, I think the lyrics for the song kind of go along with what I'm saying. The song is about him performing at a show. You know, people are there, they're dancing, they're having fun. But they're not really, you know, listening to what he's saying. And he's talking about Jesus to these people. 
All they want to do is go deaf. You know, they don't want to listen to him. And then he goes on to say deaf about 50 times after that because, you know, it's the chorus of a rap, and, but I'm not going to subject you all to the pain of me doing that, so just understand, you know. But you get what the guy's saying. These people are fine with the dancing and hanging out and having fun, but when it comes down to the lyrics, the lyrics that are talking about Jesus, they just tune him out. More importantly, they're tuning Jesus out. This is just like someone who's spiritually deaf. They can go to church. They can go to Bible studies. They can do all that stuff, and they might even have fun doing, you know, hanging out with their friends, seeing their family, going to eat food afterwards, things like that. But they're not listening to Jesus. Those spiritually deaf people aren't listening to Jesus. Okay, second one, spiritually obese. This is one I got from a guy in Spokane named Stephen Ward, pretty cool guy, so I gave credit to him, no plagiarism here. Basically, this is when someone is listening to God's Word and they're feasting on God's Word. Now, don't get me wrong, we should all do that. We should all be feasting on God's Word. But the point of this is they're getting fat, if you will, on God's Word. In order to stay healthy, what do we have to do when we eat? We exercise. We use the nutrition we've been given to fuel our bodies. When we feast on something, we also have to exercise it in order for it to reach its full effectiveness in us. Verse 22 says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James is telling us that, yes, we need to hear God's Word, but we also have to do God's Word. We need to take up those teachings, those laws, those ideals, and we need to apply them to our lives. What's the point of having God's Word right in front of us and reading it all the time but not doing anything with it? There's not a point. There's there's no point. It's kind of like verse 23 and 24 say, anyone who listens to the Word but does not do do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This little example that James lays, lays out points out how pointless it is to look at our own faces in a mirror and immediately forget what we just saw. Because why do we usually look in the mirror? We look in the mirror to find something we need to fix. You know, hey, my hair is messed up, or hey, there's something stuck in my teeth. How ridiculous would it be if I walked up to the mirror, noticed all these things that I need to fix about myself before I go into the day, but I do nothing about it, and I just walk away and forget I was even there? How ridiculous would that be? You know, that's what he's saying here. God's Word is the same way. If I ask God, what do I need to do in my life? What do I need to work on? What do I need to stop doing? And he tells us, and we just keep going on doing the same things we were before, then why did we even ask? You know, Verse 25 says that the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is that person who looks into the mirror, sees what he or she needs to fix, and then fixes it. There was a point in them walking up to that mirror. So going back to my example from earlier, in my spiritual life, God has had to beat it over my head plenty of times, plenty of times. I'll be going through my day, and I'll realize that God has been showing me something for like weeks. You know, I'm struggling with something, or I have a question about something, and I'll be asking myself, God, what am I supposed to do about this? And I'll realize, you know, Brother Don just talked about that, you know, my quiet time was talking about that, that's what the song playing in my truck this morning was talking about, that's what Dustin said in our meeting this morning, you know, stuff like that. I would constantly be asking God for help with a certain situation. It can be very easy to feel like God is ignoring us when we talk to him, but God wasn't ignoring me in that situation. I was ignoring him, you know. I know that a lot of times I felt like God was calling me to do something, and I ignored that call. And whether it was talking to someone, going somewhere, doing something I wasn't comfortable with, I would say, you know, God, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. That's out of my comfort zone. That would be hard. Kind of like this. This is out of my comfort zone, but, you know, here I am. And I found myself... When I do that with God, I find myself drifting spiritually. I was ignoring my purpose. I'm not, I wasn't listening. I, sorry. 
I was, I was listening, but I wasn't obeying. And so that takes us to the second thing that I struggle with, even though I've kind of touched it on, on it already. And that second thing is obedience. So while I was doing some research for tonight, I was going through my ESV study Bible. It's a big old Bible that I had to buy for one of my Bible classes this past year. And it's huge, like really big, like Jake McVeigh's Bible, it's huge. And like 70%, 75% of every page is taken up by these notes about the scripture written on the page. And these notes are full of commentaries, references to other passages, things like that. And under James 1, 19 through 25, it was talking about the theme of hearing and doing the word. And it said something that I really liked. It said, obedience is the hallmark of the true child of God. When we truly live like the children of God, completely surrendered to his will, that produces obedience in our lives. A hallmark is a distinct feature or a characteristic. So not only does obedience become a part of our lives, it becomes a distinct part of our lives. It's something that people should notice about us when they meet us, you know. That guy obeys God, you know. That guy's doing what the Bible's saying, things like that. Take a look at uh, Luke 6, 46 through 49. Give you a little bit more time this time. Luke 46, Luke 6, 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a, flood came, when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So let's take a look at the context of Luke. And there's kind of two layers of context here, so stay with me. First of all, Luke and Acts are both addressed to a guy named Theophilus. And while attempts to identify him have been pretty much unsuccessful, you can tell kind of what kind of person he is from how they address him. Luke addresses him as the, at the beginning of the letter of Luke as most excellent, which you can assume is how they talk to Roman governors because in Acts, Felix and Festus is how they're addressed. They're addressed as most excellent. So it can be assumed that Theophilus, Theophilus yeah, was a man of wealth and social standing. Luke's broader audience, however, his intended audience consisted of Gentile Christians like Theophilus who had been taught about Jesus already. Luke was writing to the Christians to assure the certainty of what they'd been taught. So these Christians, like the people in James, knew all the information. Second, this section of Luke is from the Sermon on the Plain. Verse 17 of Luke 6 talks about the kinds of people who would show up to hear Jesus speak. Among the listeners, there were three groups. These were them, the 12 disciples he had chosen like right before this, to the great crowd of his disciples, his followers, and three, the great multitude of people from Judea, Tyre, and Sidon. The great multitude emphasizes Jesus' growing popularity, and the people from Tyre and Sidon would have included Gentiles. So the people this were being sent to were people who had been taught about Jesus previously, and the people Jesus were speaking to were various groups of people. So take a look at verse 46 again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Lord here comes from the Greek word kurios. I looked this up. Kurios, which in this context is a term used to refer to someone of dignity. Jesus is saying, why do you talk to me with the term of dignity and authority? And he is deserving that authority. They act like he is. And yet they aren't respecting that authority. 
You know, if I go up to a boss at a job I work at, and he asks me to do something, and I say, yes, sir, that I'm showing that I'm talking to someone who is in a position of authority over me. By doing what he's asking, I'm respecting his authority. But if I say, yes, sir, and then don't do what he says, do I really respect his authority at all? Verses 47 and 48 say, as for everyone who comes to me, and here's my words, and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Here Jesus is talking about someone who has heard his words, actually heard them, and applied those words to their life. They stored up his words in their heart and became more resolute in their faith because of it. Think about his example, a man who built his, foundation, built his house on a foundation of rock. And yes, I'm about to start talking to you all about rocks. Yeah. Well, I'm not exactly a professional contractor, and uh, the people who worked at me with D-Now know that. I could barely drill a hole into a shelf. But uh, <laughs> I do know that a good foundation is necessary. And this man chose to build his foundation on a rock. Back then, a rock was used to build walls, fortresses, and towers. Rocks are solid, and the word alone brings to mind the idea of strength. To these people, Jesus is basically saying that the man would be building his house on the strongest material, material available. And his word is the same way. When we listen to the word of God, actually listen to it, and then apply it to our lives, we're building our faith on solid ground. Our faith will be strong like a rock. When hard times and trials come along, like the flood in his example, we'll have that word to keep us steady. But in verse 49, Jesus lays out a warning to those who don't do this. He says, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. This is someone who is basically doing the exact opposite as the person before. They aren't building their house on a stable foundation. They don't have any rocks. When the flood comes their way, they're wiped out. Think of that in terms of faith. They're hearing what Jesus is telling them, but they aren't doing what he says. They aren't applying the word to their lives. They aren't obeying the word of God, and therefore when those trials and hard times come, what happens to them? Notice how the verse says, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, my Bible is NIV, so that's its translation, but some of y'all's Bibles might say something along the lines of, it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. This verse is painting a picture of destruction. And it's pretty clear about that. The point here is that without the word of Jesus applied to our lives, without actual obedience to him, we will be broken. Immediate and without a doubt, defeat. My Bible said something else under this section of Luke that I thought was good. It said, confession apart from obedience is worthless. Confession apart from obedience is worthless. Y'all, we can admit our shortcomings all day. We can confess what's wrong with us all day. But unless we start being obedient to Jesus and his words, then what's the point of that confession? You know? So did y'all notice a recurring theme tonight? Both passages talked about groups of people who more than likely had heard of Jesus and his teachings before. They aren't just lost people. They're people of the church as well. Now let's think about what these, who these letters are to. James is writing to Jews, and Luke is writing to Gentiles. This whole thing about obedience is all-encompassing. Both groups are being told the same thing, that they have an obedience problem. They're just like me when I was a kid and I had an obedience problem. This is some case of this one group obeys better than this other group. And because of these things, we can tell that this is obviously a problem that all people struggle with. Despite whatever rules or practices these people abide by, they still have trouble with listening and, in turn, obeying. 
And this doesn't just apply to people that were living back then, but also applies to Christians today. And we have these rules and laws that are constantly at our fingertips. You know, we have God's written, his written word, his actual inspired word written down for us that we have access to, and yet we still struggle with listening. We all have listening struggles, and we all have struggles with obedience. And whatever it may be for you personally, and I can't speak to what it may be for you, but it might be a distraction and issue with authority, pride, whatever, it's there. And I may not be able to tell you specifically what it is, but it's there. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we should just accept that and just say, well, I have an obedience problem, and then just never try to change it? Well, no. It means that we need to ask ourselves, how have I been dis- disobedient to God? What has God been saying to me, asking me to do, and for whatever reason, I've been saying no? Or I haven't even heard him in the first place. We need to come to God with an open heart and mind and say, okay, God, I've ignored you, and I've been disobedient before now, but I'm ready for you to tell me what I need to do. And that I, I hope that if something I've talked about tonight has hit you, and you've been struggling with the obedience before this or listening before this, I hope that something I've said told you something. I hope God spoke to you through what I said. And maybe God has been wanting to build a relationship with you and you haven't been listening. Or maybe you've never let Jesus into your life and now you want to start being obedient to him and just do that. And if you need to come down and pray at these steps and talk to God about what you need to be obedient about, feel free. And if you want to talk to one of these pastors or me or Kendall, whatever, about being obedient, they would be happy to. Do I have enough time? No. So just real quick, Dustin just asked me to talk about this, and I would have anyway, so I'm glad he did, about the internship and being here with these students. I just want to say, first of all, like you said, I was here before this as a student, and I loved it while I was here, but I can't believe how much I've grown from being around these students, how much I've grown from teaching with them, being with them, having good times with them. And I would say that, you know, if you have any hesitations about your student being in the student ministry, please just let those be leave. Please just think about the things that they're learning here and the things that they're learning. They're learning how to be obedient here like I've been talking about. So once again, if you just have anything that you need to pour out from your heart to God on these steps or to these pastors, please just feel free.